This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Good morning, I'm Simone Zaziaris. And I'm Kate Watson. It's Friday the 3rd of September. In your Squiz today, the Aussie flag's big day, Texas and abortion laws, closing the curtain on the Paralympics, and don't forget your dad. This is your Squiz today. We're mixing it up this Friday morning, Kate, because today marks 120 years ago since the Australian flag was first flown over the dome of Melbourne's exhibition building. So in the interest of giving squizzes some quality information about our history, we're starting today by learning a bit more about our flag. Yeah, it's a bit quirky, a bit of a a strange way to start the morning, but there's no harm doing something different, Simone, especially with all the serious news around us at the moment. Here we go. Of course, we all know what the Aussie flag looks like. It's blue. It's got the Union Jack to represent our British heritage. And then it has the Southern Cross and that big star, the Commonwealth star that has seven points, one for each state and the territories also share one. But what people may not know is that our flag was chosen via an international competition. So after Federation in 1901, our first Prime Minister, Sir Edmund Barton, was on the hunt for Australia's first flag. Literally thousands of people submitted entries. I think tens of thousands of people, in fact, five of which were chosen and awarded a £200 shared prize. Yeah, which was a fair bit of coin back in the day. From there, two designs were sent off for approval to the king at the time, King Edward VII. One was the flag as we know it today, and the other was for naval purposes. It's the same thing, but with a red background. Both were used for a long time until 1941. Then Prime Minister Robert Menzies decided to make one the official Aussie flag. Yep, the blue one, as we all well know, that was officially made our flag in 1953 and an amendment was passed in 1998 that meant the flag can only be changed with the agreement of the Aussie people. So there's been lots of talk about changing our flag over the years, lots of debate about it, but it's not so simple to do. To round out your flag knowledge for the day, Australia also has three other official flags, the Australian Aboriginal flag, the Torres Strait Islander flag, and also the ensigns of the Australian Defence Force. And that's your super quick shortcut to the Aussie flag on its 120th birthday. To the news of the day now, that agreement made by National Cabinet that Australia would start to open up once 70 to 80 percent are fully vaccinated. We've seen Western Australian Premier Mark McGowan and Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk walking away from that. Now Palaszczuk has asked for more research on how opening up the state would impact young children, Kate. Yeah, this really dominated the news yesterday. So Anastasia Palaszczuk has been under a bit of pressure about her stance on border closures, especially with plenty of stories being shared of people not being able to get home to Queensland, families being separated because of the strict border rules that Queensland has in place. Despite this, she seems to be doubling down. What she said this week was that before she looks to reopen her state, she wants an answer on how children under 12 are going to be vaccinated. In response, our Chief Health Officer, Paul Kelly, was fairly blunt. He said nowhere in the world is vaccinating that age group. And he also pointed to the facts, which are that no child in Australia has died with COVID. Three of the 3,000-odd children under 12 infected with COVID have needed intensive care treatment and 134 have been hospitalised. That's also with an asterisk. Most of those hospitalised have been for social reasons. So, for example, if their parents are too unwell to care for them, 
them. So the risk of serious illness in kids from COVID is very low. Yeah, and Kelly also added that immunising parents was the best way to protect young people. Kate, it's Friday, so expect more on this as National Cabinet meets today. Over to the US now. This week, we've been watching the damage done by Hurricane Ida in the southern part of the states. Now it's moved north. It sure has. It's travelled right up the east coast of the US and done some damage on the way, Simone. Lots of images this morning, specifically out of New York City. That's had so much rain. There's been flash floods in the streets, in the subway, people's homes and businesses are flooded. For the first time, a flash flood emergency was declared for the city. And as it stands, it's at least four. 14 people have died. Yeah, 76 millimetres of rain fell in Central Park in one hour alone this week, which puts the old record of almost 49 millimetres made only weeks ago to shame. Still in the US, Kate, and a new law has come into effect in Texas that bans abortions from around six weeks into a pregnancy. So this law had been passed some time ago at a state level, but yesterday what happened was a final appeal by pro-choice advocates to overturn the law was blocked by the US Supreme Court. So the law came into effect. What it means is that women seeking an abortion in Texas won't be permitted to do so after the fetus develops a heartbeat. So around, as you say, that six week mark. And there are no exceptions, including for pregnancies resulting from rape or incest. It means that Texas now has the toughest abortion laws in the country. And there have been, of course, a lot of opposition to it, as you can imagine, including from the president, Joe Biden, yesterday, who said it blatantly violated women's rights. Yeah, it's a very divisive topic, particularly in the US. There are other mostly Republican states that have also passed what's become known as heartbeat bills, but they've all been blocked by the court so far. As the Paralympics nears its end, Kate, there's been a debate bubbling away behind the scenes over medal bonuses for athletes. Olympians this year in Tokyo were paid by the Australian Olympic Committee $20,000 for gold, $15,000 for silver and $10,000 for bronze. However, Paralympics Australia didn't have the same plans in place. No, they said they didn't have the funds available. So yesterday, Scott Morrison announced that the federal government will provide funding to Paralympics Australia so that the athletes are given the same bonuses as Olympic medalists. That means, as it stands, Simone, money in the bank for 17 gold medalists, 23 silver medalists and 26 bronze getters. Maybe it was some incentive. We had a bit of a gold rush overnight and there could be more over the weekend. Yeah, he's hoping. There's still a heap to look forward to, including watching our very own tennis star, Dylan Orcott, in the wheelchair tennis finals. There sure is. He's going for the Golden Slam. So that's four tennis majors and a Paralympics gold. He's number one in the world. He's already won the Aussie and French Open and also Wimbledon this year. So if he gets Tokyo under his belt, he just has the US Open to go. Come on, Dylan. (laughs) Let's not get too ahead of ourselves, though, Kate. Alcott is up against (laughs) world number two Sam Schroeder tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. And the Paralympics will wrap up this Sunday evening with the closing ceremony at 9 p.m. I can't quite remember what I was doing when I was nine years old, Kate, but I can assure you it wasn't university level physics. I don't think I've ever done physics. That's what primary schooler Allegra Clark plans on doing in her spare time. Yeah, Simone, I think it's pretty obvious from our career choice that science and physics (laughs) and the like weren't really our thing at high school. Allegra, on the other hand, she's nine years old. She's from the Gold Coast. She said she finds parts of year 11 and 12 physics work pretty easy, which is 
Pretty amazing. <laughs> She's a clever thing, Simone. She's also a character. She said she wants to become an astronaut, an engineer or a scientist, but that she has plenty of time to decide. Yeah, and she also <laughs> hopes that as she gets older, she'll see more girls in science, technology, engineering and maths or STEM as we know it. I just love her quote, Kate. She said, girls can be full of ideas that sometimes boys just don't know. What a legend. <laughs> <laughs> Squeeze the day, Kate. I've got a few random ones that all coincidentally seem to involve the letter B. I don't don't know why but that's where I'm at tomorrow is Beyonce's 40th birthday a big happy birthday to Queen B it's also world beard day and Sunday is be late for something day I had no idea that one existed before yesterday but it's a day not to abide by our schedules so take from that what you like yeah, watch out for that one on Sunday. It's Father's Day. You don't want to be late for any Father's Day celebrations you've got planned. That's my squeeze the day. Don't forget your dad's this weekend. Yeah, good tip there, Kate. Before we wrap up, a reminder about our weekly Squiz quiz. 10 questions. There's a link from the Squiz Today email or head straight to our website. For a little teaser, one of the questions from this week is what iconic food can you now find in a vending machine in Italy's Rome? I feel like you and Claire spoke about this one on Monday, am I right? Was it a Monday one? Monday? Yeah, it must have been Monday. Yeah, I know the answer, but I won't give it away. Yeah, we'll leave you to ponder over that one. A bit of food for thought. <laughs> a link to the quiz is also in your show notes. That's all from us. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you again on Monday. This week, our podcast is brought to you by Aware Super. Sometimes it can feel like retirement is a long way off, but whether it's two years or 20 years away, it's important to make sure your super fund is working for you. Aware Super is one of Australia's largest super funds and offers heaps of free tools and tips on its website for Aussies looking to get their super sorted and put a plan in place for their retirement. Read the PDS and TMD at aware.com.au.